Hello and welcome back to Brutal, the MMA podcast. Hey everybody, we just got back from UFC 291 about three days ago. We are back in Arizona now. Um, we don't live in Arizona, but I wish are, I did. We wish we did. Uh, we like Arizona a lot more than California. That's for that's for sure. Um, I'm gonna try and uh, hold my horses on the cussing as much as I can today for reasons that i've been told by family members <laughs> <laughs> did, wait wait wait. when you went to go visit your family did were they like you need to my grandma might have watched a snippet or two and that woman's an angel so i can't i need to just maybe not talk about big booty latina women on the podcast don't talk about Mackenzie dern like you did in like episode two no no i can't do that anymore i'm i'm, I'm rehabbing okay this is my this is my my intervention. <laughs> okay. Um, well, we took a road trip out to Salt Lake City to see UFC 291. It was an awesome event. It was really well done. Uh, the food was good. It was actually not super overpriced. It usually is even more overpriced. But uh, Little Caesars stayed with his little boxes of pizza. Pretty fire. Um, I mean, the water was stupid. It was in a cup and it was five bucks. But I mean, like, that's what happens at events. But uh, we started off the night by watching uh, Miranda Maverick uh, fight. Uh, I don't even remember her name. Brazilian chick. Louis Sen. It starts with an L, and she's Brazilian, and her nickname's like Cachoeira or something like that. Uh, what do you think of that fight, Caitlin? Um, I did like how the five foot three chick just completely manhandled the five foot seven chick. Oh my god, she she ragdolled her. She yeah. ragdolled her. She beat the tar out of her, and then she submitted her with that armbar. Was an armbar, yeah. I think so. Pretty sure, yeah. But that was that was that was, that was a good ass fight. I really enjoyed that one. So, uh, right after that, we had uh, your mama. Uh, it was the round three knockout, um, I believe. You have your phone for a reason. Bro. I know, I know. I just didn't want to pull it up. If you could just tell me, but that's okay. I don't remember I, the name. I, of I don't the remember it either. I'm brain dead. Oh, uh, round three spinning back fist. You said head kick. Did I say head kick? Round three. There was a round, round two head kick. Okay. They just said round All three. Right. So Odos Medic versus Matthew Uh I had Samuelsberger winning it by like probably knockout in the first round. And he actually dropped him in the first round. I was really excited. Um, I thought he was going to jump on him faster, but didn't get the finish. And then the second round was also Samuelsberger, in my opinion. And it going into the third, it's 2-0 Samuelsberger. And Odos Medic pulls off a spinning backhand hits him with the forearm in the side of the temple some burgers goes down and he swarms on him ref stops a little bit early i don't think he gave him enough time to try and defend himself he only landed like one or two punches and the ref immediately jumped in there so i mean it was a really really entertaining fight a, a, a great start to the salt lake card an even greater start right after the early prelims you had uh roman kopilov with the head kick you know, Salt Lake City is famous oh, yeah, the for the curse. head kicks now. Was it's, it the head kick curse? The head kick curse is a real, real thing there. I'm telling you, because I've almost every time I see a head kick, there's only been four head kicks that a four head kick knockouts that have been a main event ever, and two of them are in Salt Lake City now. So it tells you a lot. I mean, it, it's just it's a thing that happens there. They like head kicks, and I love head kicks too. Uh, Roman Kopylov uh, was the fourth fight of the night. And he was controlling most of the first round until the end of that first round. Um, the Brazilian dancing his ass off. Uh, <laughs> no, that made me sad. He was schmoving and grooving when yeah. he came into the cage. Claudio, and I was like, 
his vibe was just so good. Yeah, I was just Ca- like, Claudio yeah. Ribeiro, I got a video of him. He, he's coming into the arena. He's dancing to his music on beat and everything. It was pretty, it was pretty fun to watch. And uh, it, it's unfortunate because he, he, he got caught up with that head kick and sat straight down on his butt. And then uh, the right hand came through for Roman and the ref had seen enough and stopped the fight. So that was, that was a really fun one. I really enjoyed that. Uh, Kapilov gets great kickboxing. I think he's undefeated in the UFC, maybe two or three and zero now, and uh, definitely has a lot of potential. Especially beating a guy like Claudio like that because he's he's really talented. Uh, right after that, we had uh, Gabriel Bonfim versus Trevin Giles. Whew. Just like Joe Rogan said, this guy's guillotine is just death. It's just death. I, I he jumped guillotine on two people, right? His, his debut jumped okay. guillotine. And his second fight, jump guillotine. Neither of them could get out of it. No one. He's he's had two sub attempts, and two finishes. That's all he needs. I mean, damn. Oh, he he's a, he's a force. It's really it's really entertaining to watch him work on the ground because he's very like solid. He just knows what he's doing exactly. Like when he jumped that guillotine, he kept it there. Didn't have to move. He didn't have to adjust. He didn't have to squirm. He didn't have to Instantly move his feet cinched. or switch anything. He didn't give up on a submission. He knew he had to end, and Chevin Giles just had to tap. So, now did you like this Bonfim uh, brother better because his name's Gabriel? Gabriel, we up, we up this time, we up this time. So G- Gabriel Bonfim is the better Bonfim. That's what I've seen so far, at least. Ismail Bonfim's really good too, really talented, but uh, definitely fell short against uh, Benoit Saint Denis. So uh, that was a really good fight. Um, no complaints there. Bonfim, I, I want to see him in a longer fight, tested with like some sort of uh, striking, because his striking solid. You can see it, but I think he's a little bit wild. He's a little bit wild. So um, it, it's it, a great, great showing for a pay per view match. Um, Fifteen and zero now, oh. all finishes. So and this is his second or third UFC. Second, second. They're both guillotines. So, okay, two guillotines. First, first fight was a guillotine. Second fight was a guillotine. Both was in the first round. And then um, starting off the main card, Kevin Holland, Michael Chiesa. Uh, Kevin Holland did exactly like he said he would. Even Michael Chiesa said he would do it. Uh, he was in an interview just a day before the fight. And he looks over at Daniel Cormier and he goes, you know, I'm fighting a guy who has a really good darts choke. And what am I good at getting caught in? Darces. And Daniel Cormier is like, yeah, you've been caught in like three or four Darces. And then, <laughs> you know, lo and behold, you know, Kevin Holland has him in the clinch, catches him with the knee to the head, and then jumps on the Darce. And, you know, his Darce is really solid. It's his second or third Darce in the UFC. So, was, How many fights has Kevin Holland had this year? This <laughs> year? Uh, maybe three. Okay. Two, two or three. You said since 2018. It's since been... 2018, he's had 19 fights. 19 fights. He's the most active UFC fighter, I think, in UFC history. Damn. He's a fight every 96 days since he's joined the promotion. So basically three months and he's on next fight. So, I mean, he had five fights in uh, 2020 and he won all of them. He's the only fighter ever in the UFC to go 5-0 and in a year. So, I mean, call Big Mouth. I was okay. I was screaming from the stands. I mean, I love I love Kevin Holland. So mm-hmm. that was an awesome fight. I, I want to see him in there again soon and he says he wants to move up to metal middleweight i think that's a mistake he's finally seeing success in welterweight and he wants to move up again because he doesn't like the weight cut i mean i don't blame him the, the weight cut's hard it's a lot of work it's draining and if he can find success in middleweight i'd say go up to middleweight but he's working well in welterweight these guys in middleweight will toss him around and wrestle him that's that's what happened in middleweight every middleweight fighter he's fought that's in the top like 10 
throws him around. But in welterweight, he has more of a chance with these guys. He's more their size. You know, Michael Chiesa couldn't throw him around, and he tried a few takedowns. So I think he should stay in welterweight. Uh, maybe fight a guy like Vincente Luque. Vincente Luque lost his last fight. But he's still a really solid guy, great grappling, amazing submission skills, and good striking too. Oh, is he but, ranked? Uh, Luca, yeah, he's like, uh, I think he's, he's between twelve and ten, and I think that's that's why it's a perfect matchup for mm-hmm. Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland just got ranked as fifteenth. Okay. So Kevin Holland's down to what they were ranking, and he wants to go to middleweight. I'm like, you've already been middleweight, you really went hard in it, and you didn't succeed. So unless he's really put on some muscle, it's obviously he's improved. His striking's improved. His timing's improved. His speed's improved, his grappling's and everything. He's a lot better overall. So he could see success middleweight that we didn't see before, but I really doubt it. Uh, I love Calvin Holland just as much as the next guy, but you have to be realistic. And if you're having success in welterweight, even with the weight cut, you should stick to it until don't if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm-hmm. And that's that's just what he should live by. But um Next is Tony. Is next Tony? Next is Tony. Oh, I don't even have to look at my phone then. Tony and uh was it Bobby Green? Bobby Green, yeah. So there's one patch of success there for Tony. Um, he caught Bobby Green with a jab and sat him on his ass. But that's really the only thing that landed the whole fight. Uh, Tony Green, t- Tony uh, fighting Green was uh, really uh, Bobby was in control the whole time, especially on the feet. He was on. He was controlling the whole way. Uh, that only time was when he got dropped. And uh, Tony just couldn't get past the punches. He was too slow. It just looked like an old man in the cage trying to fight the, the fact he was old. And it was really upsetting to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was very upset. Yeah, Caitlin was very heavily affected. Kate, you, you, you honestly convinced me to think that Bobby Green was going to win. And I almost lost against Charles in the verdict event, but I beat him by like 30 XP. Yeah, because um, I, I think I convinced you to switch to Tony. Yeah, because I think he, he Char- Charles did a uh, Bobby, right? Yeah, he looked fast in training camp, and uh, he looked young he, again. For he some looked reason. better than he did for he his last fight. He looked so better. sick for his last. His last fight. fight, he looked gross. He looked sick. He looked sad. He looked slow. But this fight, he looked like he had a little more pep in his step, and he did. He fought a lot better mm-hmm. than what he did against Nate Diaz, which was embarrassing. Um, but you could tell he didn't have the elbows. He couldn't throw an elbow. He couldn't get his timing right. He hit his slide at the beginning of the fight. <laughs> the slide tackle. That, that made me so hopeful. I was just like, yeah. I was like, yes. Because he fumbled it, I think, the last like two times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looked really just, awful. It looked really just, awful. But um, oh, generally, I think it's six straight loss. He I don't want him breaking Sam Bobby's record. He is too tough for his own good. Retire. Retire. Please hang up the gloves. I, I hope someone in his family or someone in his corner just tells him you can't fight anymore. And he just listens to him. Because he's a, he's a tough son of a bitch. I mean... He will never quit. That's he, the issue When here. he was in that arm triangle, he didn't tap. He was in there for 20 seconds. And he was moving. He was moving. He's well, no, throwing his that, legs up. Yeah, no. That looks like death is... And then, you know, there's a three-second pause where he doesn't move. And the ref gets him out of there. He's well, unconscious. No, us up in the nosebleeds watching this happen... Oh, my God. I think there were three or four of us in that top row that were standing up because he wasn't tapping for 30 no, seconds. No. We were we could see it on the monitor and also and like down into the left. cage. I know we couldn't see the time. There's seven seconds left when he tapped. And I saw when I but saw he was that, he was holding on and holding on and holding on and we were just like like he's not tapping. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. And I just I. It's oh upsetting. God. I mean, all props to Bobby Green. Bobby Green acted a little bit cringy during the the fighter meetings and I mean, Bobby Green isn't too much of a likable guy. But he 
Honestly, is, he showed yeah. out. He did what he needed to. Got an arm triangle against a guy that no one thought would get submitted. He didn't tap, um, but, you know. Ref stopped it. Ref stopped it when he should have. Um, I had an argument with uh, one of the usual podcast members, uh, Charles, that uh, he was out for 15 seconds. And, bro, you're an idiot. Because he was I not don't think 15 he was seconds. Out. He, Tony Green, it's like a signature. He likes to move around. He likes to try and struggle to get out of any submission that he's in. And usually at the end of the round, to the extent where he can get out. And it was at the end of the round. And I think he was just fighting to get that last seven seconds in there, but couldn't take it and passed out. So I think he, ref stopped at a good time. I think the ref, that was maybe two, three seconds of just still. The ref was watching well and uh, executed, like, you know, stopping the fight correctly. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, uh, Tony Tony Ferguson, unfortunate. El Kakui, your time's over. It's not Tony time no more. Uh, hang up the gloves. Hang up the gloves, oh. man. After that, uh, Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis. Oh, Dude. My. I uh, lost my voice. That's the fight that I lost my voice mm-hmm. on. Derek Lewis, uh, my balls was hot. Just imagine a 280-pound man. <laughs> just a 280-pound man just looking at you across the cage, and then he just starts running, jumps, and then you just feel a knee slam into your fucking nose. Oh, my goodness. He smashed into his face. And then immediately hopped on him, ground and pound. And at this point, I'm screaming my lungs out. Standing up, jumping, just, why? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then, you know, you know, Derek Lewis, he takes his pants off, running around with his his shorts (laughs) over his head. Uh, I'm so glad to see Derek Lewis back in the win column. What was it? His post-fight interview, you just said, I just, like, just trying some shit. (laughs) Throw some shit to see if it works. I was just throwing some bullshit to see if it works. (laughs) And then he's like, my my balls were, you know. (laughs) You know, Derek Lewis is super charismatic. um, His uh, contract's up. His contract's up. So uh, potential. uh, I know Francis Ngannou is going to uh, fight Fury soon in boxing. They have a contract signed or something like that. An official boxing contract, not just an exhibition. Oh, okay. Which is actually pretty interesting. Um, everyone's counting Nagano out. Uh, I don't count him out because I think um, Deontay Wilder has some of the worst technique I've ever seen boxing, but he dropped Fury over three times now. So if he can do it, I think Nagano can do it. I don't think Nagano's going to win per se, but I think he can. if he can land, uh, Fury's in trouble. But regardless, uh, he signed with PFL, Nagano, and he's looking for a heavyweight opponent, Derek Lewis. They already fought once, and it was the most boring fight of all time. Um, there was like 10 to 20 punches thrown in the whole fight and it was really disappointing, but Derek Lewis had a back injury and Nagano just got over the worst loss of his whole career where he was fighting for a championship and got manhandled. So it, one was dealing with mental issues. The other was dealing with the injury, but now that they're both healthy, I think it'd be a really fun heavyweight matchup. They're just going to have a lot of problems marketing it. So that's going to be up to the PFL. Um, hopefully they will offer Derek Lewis a bag. He's going to get minimum two, two mil. Oh. That's the contract that PFL is offering. Minimum two mil. So okay. unless the UFC offers him something ridiculous, I see him leaving. Do you think he's going to just be a free agent? And then do you think it's possible for him to jump back and forth? He does this by Ngannou and then re-sign to the UFC? Or it's one and done? I think it's one and done. No. I don't think the UFC... Uh, is very forgiving of that. I don't think Dana White's phrase. I think the UFC would take him back just fine, but... Dana White uh, absolutely hates Ngannou because Ngannou um, basically said, you're not, I'm not getting paid what, what I'm worth. And Dana White said, no, no, you're definitely getting paid what you're worth. And then he went out and basically signed a contract to make even more money with two promotions and spit in his face. And as soon as that announcement dropped, 
uh, Dana White had to drop his own announcements just because he felt insecure. And that, that's the thing with Dana White. Um, he, he doesn't want anyone to have success outside of the UFC. And I see that as like a big landmine for the UFC. Like they have opportunities like a to liability. grow. <laughs> and because they want to be a monopoly so bad, they refuse to let their fighters do anything but fight in the UFC. So they'll hold their contracts together. I mean, GSP has been signed to the UFC for five years since he's retired. He, they won't let him go. He wants to go do boxing. He wants to do other stuff. They won't let him go. So, I mean, it's it's a big uh, thing the UFC needs to work on. But I do think it's crazy how much our mood shifted between the Tony fight and the Derek Lewis fight. <laughs> Going from the lowest of lows seeing, it, well, for me, seeing one of my favorite fighters just get bodied for the sixth time in a row. Yeah. Then to seeing a giant dude <laughs> knee someone in the forehead is just The Black awesome. Beast, Derek Lewis, with the flying knee. Jorge Masvidal was in the crowd like, <laughs> there was a picture of him reacting to it. I mean, it was a picture perfect. Well, you knee. wouldn't expect knee too. It you wasn't wouldn't just a knee. He didn't just jump up with a knee. He jumped up with one knee and then popped the other one up and just right, right here. It's a perfect. You wouldn't shot. expect these big dudes to throw yeah. anything like that. Derek Lewis is extremely athletic. I mean, he's shown that he's strong. He's athletic. Oh yeah, he has abs now. Yeah, he's got he abs. abs. Yeah, Derek yeah. Lewis with a six pack. He was talking all that, and he 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 backed it up. He came to the, the weigh-ins and had abs. I was like, "What am I looking at? The, he can have abs. This is legal." The most in <laughs> shape he's been that I've ever seen him. And like he in great. any, and yeah. I'd love to see him in the UFC. I'd love to see him against Ngannou. Whatever he chooses to do, I fully support it. So, either go get the bag like, like Mike Perry did, go get the bag like Ngannou did, or stick to the UFC and uh, try and maybe get a few more knockouts because he's got the knockout record again. Oh, so he's. Uh, I think it's 14 or 15 knockouts. So he just passed Matt Brown. Matt Brown just tied him, and then he just passed him up again. So Do you think it's going to be like a Could be. Race? Matt Brown likes knocking people out. Yeah. I like watching Matt Brown knock people out. So <laughs> the, Matt Brown in his last fight after getting the knockout basically said, I'm only here in the UFC to, knock to get knockouts and get knocked out. And that's how I'm going out. And I'm like, oh, I love that. I respect that. I, I hate when fighters are like, I'll just do whatever I can to get the win. No, 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 no. When he's 43, he still starts in fools. He's old like, I'm man starts fools or get starched. Crazy old Him man and Jim strength. Miller, I love. They're they're my favorite UFC veterans. So mm -hmm. um, after that we had uh, Alex Pereira, Botan versus Jan Blaschewitz, Polish mm -hmm. power. Mm -hmm. Um interesting outcome. Uh Jan Blaschewitz repeatedly talked about how he was going to keep it on the feet. And keep it standing and try and strike with them before attempting a takedown. And it took one Alex Pereira leg kick in three seconds for him to die for a double leg and uh, had him against the cage. Had him against the cage and it just kind of held him. Just kind of held him the whole round. So first round, I would give Jan Blachowicz. There was nothing Alex could really do. And then second round, Alex put the burners on, started striking, landing left hands, uppercuts, uh, straight punches. It wasn't a lot of volume, but when he was landing, it was a lot more significant than anything Jan Blachowicz would do. And then the third round came. Alex was a little bit tired, but Jan was exhausted. So Alex was landing heavier shots. He landed a really good left hook. I think it was the most significant strike of the third round. And it did some damage on Jan. And then, um, you know, Israel Adesanya brings up a really good point, right? So at the end of that round, Jan just held him on the ground, holds him on the ground for about a full minute. Doesn't do anything with it. They get up, and I think, you know, I hope the fighters aren't just bait, focus, or the, the judges aren't focused on control because control is a lot less than damage now. So I would give that round to, to, to Alex. Mm -hmm. And Izzy was watching this fight at home as a reaction camera of him, and he goes, 
Look, look at Jan. Jan's on the ground with his, with his hands, his feet down, like all, all slumped over, tired. Alex gets up, puts his hands in the air. That's one of the first things the judges look at when a round ends. Your body language. How much damage Are you, you beaten? And you know who looked beaten? Jan Blaschewitz. And I think that's honestly what tipped the judges, you know. Because that was a split, right? Split it was a split, split. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so maybe they would have done the same outcome. But regardless, you can't just sit on the ground and mope. You can't. And then at, after the fight, he thought he won. And he thought he got robbed. And I'm like, I'm sorry, man. You, your body language was off. You got eight more strikes. You took more damage. And whenever you had control and had the ability to do something, you kind of just laid there. So, I mean, uh, you can't lay and pray. You can't lay uh, and pray in the UFC. I and I feel like see... this is a lesson to UFC fighters. You can't lay and pray. I could see a situation where that split went to yawn. Like, there were... Like, that crowd was angry it was a mix it was definitely a mix of people I heard being some cheers i heard some booze yeah so i'd say it was a 50 50 split between the community and i i understand it i see a world where yan won i see a world where alex won but i think it's better for the mma community that alex won he's younger he has more potential this sets up a potential title shot against yuri prohaska which is an amazing matchup weren't we just talking about um uh, johnny walker Johnny Walker just got booked. He just got booked against Magomed and Kalaev. And everyone, every comment I've seen is, Magomed's going to floor this guy. And I'm like, I don't know about that. Yeah, Johnny is the most that's most athletic he's ever been. And, uh, I mean... Do you think he uh, takes the fight against whoever like wins or lose uh, that fight against uh, Yuri? If he beats Magomed, yeah. He's in, he's in line for a title shot. Uh, between whoever beats Yuri or whoever wins between Yuri and Alex Polaton. But um, he has to win that fight first. It's a really big challenge. I could see how Magomed wins, and I see how Johnny Walker wins. Because I've seen Magomed get knocked out. I've seen Johnny Walker get knocked the fuck out. And I've also seen uh, Johnny Walker get wrestled really bad. So I, I say Johnny Walker definitely has a disadvantage, but he has a really good chance if he just improves his wrestling and fights this fight like it's a championship fight he gets it done i think i'm a big believer in johnny walker he had a lot of hype when he first came to the ufc Mm -hmm. and it's died down a lot people just look at his knockouts where uh absolute power punchers catch him and he kind of just you know crumbles and i mean he doesn't have a great chin but i think he showed in his last fight against anthony smith he took a lot of big punches didn't didn't get wobbled not once so um, I do think a Pereira versus Walker fight would be very entertaining. Oh I think that would be the fun. Two, two of the most entertaining Brazilian strikers. But, um, I mean, Yuri Prohaska and Johnny Walker would also be super fun. Flying I haven't seen Yuri. F- I don't know that elbows. I, yeah. the, those guys are they're so athletic. And I'm so excited to see Yuri Prohaska back in the UFC. I'm so glad. His what took him out of it? He had to vacate. Shoulder, shoulder. just ripped, just destroyed. They said it was one of the worst shoulder injuries they've ever seen in their lives. Oh, my God. So uh, it's good to see him back so soon. And uh, he's not officially booked versus Alex, but it will happen because Alex is first in line for the belt. They want to put Alex for the belt. And one thing I really like that Alex keeps saying, Alex keeps saying, I can make 185. I'm not going to fight Izzy for my belt if I get it at light heavyweight. I want to go back down the middleweight. We're one and one at middleweight. I want to make it two and one. So, I mean, shh. I totally respect Alex Pereira's decision. Mm-hmm. He's an absolute savage. He's a two-division champion in glory kickboxing, and now he's rallying for a two-division champion in the UFC. And if he does that, consensus number one combat sports goat, in my opinion. Overall combat sports, 
There's no better striker. There's no better striker. Not, I mean, he's gotten already so much better with the jiu-jitsu and the wrestling. I mean, he showed that even against Jan in the second round where he, he got up. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it, it's. I'm very surprised by Alex Pereira's um, abilities recently. Oh, yeah. One thing I just wanted to touch on that I didn't realize until I saw him in person, I didn't realize how big Alex I did. is. <laughs> that guy is absolutely... I, he I was, was towering over everyone. He just walks in that cage and you're like, he takes up that much space? <laughs> Heavyweights take up that much space. Derek yeah. Lewis looked the same size as Alex Pereira. Yeah. And he fights at 185. There's like an 80-pound weight difference there. Not to mention, Alex Pereira was weighing at 228 pounds 24 hours after the weigh-in. And he still had like Big. 12 hours more to go. Big. So he got, he was probably 240 when he walked in the cage. So, I mean, that's a big, that's a big man. So main event, golly, I called it. I called it. I was a round off, but I called it. I knew Dustin Poirier would crumble under Justin Gaethje's adaptability because Dustin Poirier refused to fight any prospects. Armand Soryukin offered him a fight. Demir Ismagulov offered him a fight. Uh, I think um, uh, Rafa Viziev also offered him a fight. There's a bunch of prospects that, that won, Gamera offered him a fight. They all wanted to rise up, and Dustin Poirier just shot them down and said, I only deserve legacy fights. I, I, I'm too good for you. And then just, Justin said, like just, Justin, yeah, Justin Gaethje said, no, I'll, I'll fight these guys. I'll fight these young cats. And he he improved his wrestling. He His striking improved. His timing improved. And he kept fresh. Dustin Poirier didn't. I think that was exactly the reason he got hit with that head kick. Because he wasn't expecting it. He wasn't expecting a head kick. But there were so many kicks in that first round. The guy next to me, I didn't even know me. He looked over at me after we saw him get head kicks into oblivion. He goes, they were throwing so many kicks in that fight. I said, yeah. And I think that's the thing. Justin Gaethje really improved. He started throwing more kicks. Started, you know, getting his timing down, and he landed that head kick perfectly. And like J- Justin said, he didn't even know he'd go down. He landed the mm-hmm. head kick. He couldn't believe it because he hit the canvas, and he was like, "What just happened? <laughs> what?" And then you know, he hops up on the top of that cage, does the signature, the highlight backflip. I got the T-shirt coming for the highlight from Full Violence. Oh, it's so sweet. That's a real. I, I love their merch. I got I got their their uh, pound for pound headshot dead. <laughs> I got that merch too, but uh, it was such a good event. It was I amazing. I didn't to be know there. Poirier was that much of um, a favorite. Mm-hmm. Like when he came out, the crowd was crazy. The crowd was, was a lot more mellow. Extremely, extremely loud just for Poirier. Yeah. When Gaethje came out, there'd be definitely a pop. But the pop for Poirier, this whole crowd was there for Poirier, and Gaethje just shot him down. Downed him. Every fighter that I thought was going to win, except for maybe Tony, I was pretty 50 50 with Bobby and Tony. But, um, one that won that main card. And I was really happy to see it. I mean, I think those are all the guys that deserve to win those fights, <laughs> especially Justin Gaethje. He's worked his ass off. He's been fi- training in elevation, like you said. Dustin Poirier hasn't been, mm-hmm. and I think that also took took a factor into it. And uh, Justin Gaethje did everything he needed to to get that BMF belt, and he is the BMF. I mean, I think uh, Kevin Holland kind of deserves a shout out for it because he fights so often. But um, yeah. That was one of the best events it I've ever been to. It was a great fight. I lost my voice. I mean, I would do it all over again if I could. It was really that awesome. That 10-hour drive oh. was painful, but the oh. event definitely it so made worth it worth it. It was so yeah. worth it. It was so worth it. An amazing event. Uh, Salt Lake City really put it down. And uh, yeah, uh, 
Love that city too, honestly. Yeah, Salt Lake City is absolutely gorgeous. It's really pretty. They've got really nice sunsets. I mean, downtown Salt Lake City, just like any big city, got all the homeless people and it's a little bit uh, trashy, but outside the outside outskirts of Salt Lake City are gorgeous. I mean, honestly, we were out in uh, West Valley City and uh, they had these little diners, they had these little breakfast places. They it was very like comforting. Very was, neat, quaint nice. town. They're really respectful towards veterans and you don't really see a lot of that in California, unfortunately. But um, it was really nice change of pace. Uh, I got to say, uh, there's like this thing called a break. And in Utah, they like to attach a brick to it whenever they see someone in front of them. So uh, every time I would drive on the freeway, uh, for no absolute reason, they would slam break. on the brakes. They wouldn't, they wouldn't slowly come to a stop. And I would – I'd have to – there was one point where I screeched my tires and I could smell the, the rubber. Mm-hmm. And I was like, gosh, these, these guys don't know how to drive. Utah is almost worse than California. I think California is just overly aggressive, and then Utah is overly like passive. passive. They're way too defensive drivers. So that, yeah. was, that was really interesting. I enjoyed that. Um, that was, that was a, definitely a roller coaster. Mm. Um, but yeah. To the next event, we have uh, Corey Sandhagen versus Rob Font. As at a catch weight, it was initially going to be Corey Sandhagen versus Umar Nurmagomedov, which mm-hmm. would have been an amazing fight. They both have crazy kicks, especially for Nurmagomedov. He has crazy spinning kicks, front kicks. He's he's landed a lot of stuff like that. And uh, we're going to start off by just highlighting one prelim fighter, uh, Jeremiah Wells. This is a guy I've been seeing since he made his uh, debut, and he deserves so much more recognition than he gets. Oh, was this came... the feed me guy? Yeah. Feed me. Ah, just screaming. He's terrifying. And he has a good way of marketing himself. He just has no um, recognition yet. I think he needs to get on a good pay-per-view, get on a main card, get one of his spectacular knockouts and finishes. And uh, he's only gotten non one non-finish in the UFC. It was against Matthew Samuelsberger, who we've, who we've seen is an absolute savage. Um, oh. Side note, Matthew Semmelsberger, every single fight, looks like a brand new person. He comes in with long hair and just a mustache or comes with short hair but a full beard. <laughs> every time I see him, I'm like, that's the same guy? Some of the Jedi, that's the same guy? <laughs> but regardless, uh, uh, Jeremiah Wells in their last fight just edged it out with a split decision. But the three fights before that just murdered his opponents. And uh, he's, he's really fun to watch. He's going to be fighting uh, Carlston Harris. Carlston Harris, I'm not a really big fan of. He does a lot of dirty shots. There was a fight that uh, took Impa Kasanganai outside of the UFC where he was striking the back of his head over oh, and over and over. Dude. After he did, he did wobble him. And the ref. And the ref mm-hmm. didn't mention it. Just mm-hmm. turned a blind eye. Oh, oh, the fight's over. I'm not looking at anything. Uh, it was a little bit ridiculous. Back of head strikes piss me off. They're not called enough. They're not, they're not shown enough attention in the UFC. Uh, or any organization for that matter. I think the PFL calls it more than the UFC, and that's saying something. Um, but uh, I got Jeremiah Wells absolutely dismantling Carlson Harris on the feet, and if he can't get him done on the feet, because he's absolutely wild, that's one thing, he does not protect his head. Oh. He just rushes in with bombs. And that's how he, how he kept getting caught against Matthew Samuelsberger. But when he took it to the ground, he smothered him. So his ground game is absolutely un- unbelievable. Um, Jeremiah Wells, uh, I think he trains out of Killcliffe. I'm pretty sure. Can't remember. But regardless, um, amazing wrestling. He absolutely smothers people. And uh, if he can't get done in the on the feet and he goes for a takedown, he'll definitely strangle Carlson Harris unconscious. So I'm I'm ready for that violence. Um, he's one of the most violent UFC fighters I've ever seen. He's intense, brutal, 
He's, he's fucking brutal. And uh, from there, we'll move on to the main card. There's just some other good fights in the prelims, but not worth too much of a mention. And uh, we got Ignacio Bahamondes. I've been watching him since Dana White's Contender Series. Amazing kickboxer. Amazing kickboxer. You saw the the spinning wheel kick knockout against mm-hmm. Roosevelt Roberts. Oh, man. Uh, I'm hoping he shows out into something like that similar. He's fighting another kickboxer in Ludovic Klein. So I expect a technical masterpiece from Ignacio Bahamondes. He's improved every single fight he's been in the UFC. I think he's on a two-fight win streak now. He lost one after his debut. And uh, regardless, I'm really excited to see him. And right after that, uh, two fights later, we have Dustin Jacoby and Candy and Jukwu. I think this fight is the fight of the night. It's like a little bit of a creeper. Like you don't expect it coming, but I think it'll be fight of the night. You have Dustin Jacoby, who's a former glory kickboxer. And you've got Candy and Jukwu, who's a six foot seven light heavyweight. It might be six five or six six. He's somewhere around there. He's way too tall. Every guy he fights in light heavyweight, he is taller than. Is he a weight bully? Definitely a weight bully. I don't know how he makes weight. He looks like a heavyweight, acts like a heavyweight, fights like a heavyweight. And uh, in his last three fights, won them all by uh, uh, by finish. And uh, Dustin Jacoby just recently got bounced out of the rankings by Khalil Roundtree in a very close split decision fight. I want to see Khalil Roundtree fight again soon. Yeah, I haven't seen him in a while um, since that fight against Jacoby. But uh, I got Kennedy and Jukwu. He just seems like he's on such a tear recently that he'll probably get it done. But Jacoby has a crazy head kick. Really good pacing and good anti-wrestling too. but uh, Do you the, think it's just going to be like punch for punch sort of? The African Savage, Kennedy Njikul, is very well, well-rounded. Oh. Very well-rounded. So he could take it to the ground if he wanted to. And he could finish on the, on the feet if he wanted to. Just really depends what he wants to do. I, I'm very high on this prospect. I think he's a really good prospect for light heavyweight. And if he finishes uh, Jacoby, there's no other choice than giving him a uh, top 15 fighter. So excited to see that one. Right after that, we got the co-main event between Jessica Andrade and Tatiana Suarez. Uh, you got kind of like a grappler versus striker matchup. Uh, Tatiana Suarez uh, took a very long break off from the UFC. I think it had to do with some sort of illness. Uh, four years off, but came back in her debut and absolutely showed out. But against a really bad UFC fighter mm-hmm. at that. Do you think they fed, fed her someone? Um, I think she, they, they kind of fed her someone. But now she's going against a really good fighter, Jessica Andrade, who's got power. That that she got manpower for a woman. I gotta tell you, uh, the way she picked up Rose. Do that to me. <laughs> the way she picked up Rose Namajunas by the crotch and slammed her on her own head. <laughs> it was so funny hearing Dominic Cruz go, "You can't pick her up like that." And then he just goes, <laughs> just gets skyrocketed in the floor right after, and. Um, yeah, uh, I don't really know how that one goes. I don't have an opinion on it, to be honest. Uh, I think either way it goes, good for them. Uh, Tatiana Suarez is just better on the ground, and Jessica Andrade is better on the feet. But Andrade is super wild. I think we saw it in the last fight when she got caught. She got caught Chinese running chick. it. Yeah, running um, at that chick. Yeah, so... I guess we'll see how that goes, and we're finally here to the main event. Rob Font versus Corey Sandhagen, the Sandman. Oh, my God. I love Corey Sandhagen. Corey Sandhagen is a consistent fighter. He's a fun fighter. He always speaks his mind. He's been on Joe Rogan's podcast a few times. I've listened to him. He's really intelligent. And uh, I could say a lot that's the same things about Rob Font. Um, Rob Font is super intelligent, has good power as of late, absolutely starched Adrian Yanez in their last fight. And um, he's taken this fight on a short notice. I think it's – it's just about a week, right? maybe two weeks to the catchweight fight at 140. And 
I think I got Corey Sandhagen. I got Corey Sandhagen just about everyone in that division, maybe except for like Sean O'Malley and Aljamain Sterling, because Aljamain Sterling did choke him unconscious when they fought. Um, that was that was a scene and a half because he was just, just dead. He doesn't tap often. There was oh, a fight okay. where he got caught in an armbar and was swimming out of it like Tony Ferguson for fifty straight seconds. You'd see it bending the wrong way. He's moving all around. Finally got out Tough, and then finished dude. him on the on, on. He got on top of him and finished him. So Corey Sandigan is absolutely tough. He has a real fighter's mentality, and he has a lot of preparation for his fights. So I could see him finishing Rob Font. Um, I think it's the only way I do see it. Uh, he, he's not, he's he, he is a decision fighter to an extent, but against a guy like Rob Font, Rob Font, it's very durable. But he has a weak chin, and I kind of see Sandhagen winning. Getting with caught like a, in the face. Yeah, getting caught with like a big elbow or a big knee. That's what I'm kind of predicting. But I guess we'll see. What, what, what do you think with that one? You've you've seen both of them. I've seen both. Um, I think I might just do Font. Okay. Because I think I've seen just, him just fight the, more than Sandhagen. Yeah. Do you, would you say it's the volume, or would you say it's just the overall pacing? Because what do you think it is? Because they both show, show a lot of volume, a lot of pacing. You know, like they both have their completely different styles. I um, mean, Corey Sandhagen has shown he can take it to the ground and dominate. So he just what he did against Cheeto Marlon Vera. Oh, that's right. So what do you think in there? Um, if if Rob Font wins, how does he win? I'd say just outpacing. Okay. Like just keeping fresh mm-hmm. and just. Rob Font is a crazy gas tank, so I could see that happening. All right. Well, I think that's everything we need to go through. Yeah. And uh, we hope you guys have a great, happy Friday and Saturday. Have a good weekend. And uh, that's it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.